The Big Beat manifesto goes, Big Beats are the best, get high all the time. Right. At the time, it felt like a much more all-encompassing philosophy. It's my birthday week, so I'm being nice to myself. I thought I'd throw a party. And in advance of the party, I'm going to go speed dating. Hey everybody, welcome to the El Dude Brothers podcast, episode 61, Mole Mapping. My name is Sean, and I've been watching the French Open. It's been really good. And my name's Laura, and fuck tennis, it's basically bullshit ping pong for giants. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, how are you been? I mean, I feel like it's been like three weeks since the last time we talked. Yeah, it's been ages. Yeah, I'm okay. I've not been very well. I've been lupusy, but school's gone back, and that's that's only that's only served to make me feel worse. But hey, I'm still alive. I've not died of the flu, Gerard style, so that can only be a good thing. How about you? been an interesting couple weeks it's uh i really would like to thank everybody for bearing with us due to time zone related issues and sickness related issues because holy christ i feel like laura and i have been cursed these last like 12 days or whatever it's been yeah it's been it's been bad how was chicago oh it was incredible i don't want to go on because i could talk about it for like 45 minutes but uh i had a really good time it was a lot of fun the really funny thing about it, though, was um, so I recorded my other podcast with my friend Diego uh, talking about the show that I went to. And when I was done, Nicole looked at me. She goes, oh, what? Like, I don't get a cameo on your podcast. I was there. <laughs> and I was like, oh, shit. Do you want to talk about it, too? She was like, uh, no. And I was like, come on, let's do it. And so I did like a little like 10 minutes with Nicole. So. <laughs> oh, that's cool. Uh you, fi- you finally got a talking on air. I know, and it wasn't even the Peep Show podcast. <laughs> <laughs> so we've we've strung out this ending to Peep Show, but we really are on the the final final frontier. Oh my now. god, it's crazy! Three more episodes. Yeah. Well, two. I guess uh, two more technically after this one. Yeah, yeah. After this one, I um, how we how did you feel about this one going in? Did you do you remember liking this one? Okay, so I totally forgot when I was watching the first half of it, like the first three quarters of it, I was like, oh my god, this episode is fucking atrocious. And then I got to pretty much like the resolution of the two character storylines at the end, and I was like, oh, okay, that one wasn't that bad after all. Yeah, I sort of forgot that these things happened in this episode, so I remembered all the bits and pieces happening in different, like... I remembered all the bits, but I thought they happened in different episodes, to be honest. I was kind of in that same boat as well. Like, I forgot about uh, the bank robbery and the the cocaine and stuff. I, th- I thought that was all different episodes. Yeah, it, was, it wasn't It was a bad episode, but it was kind of a... It's like a forgotten episode, I think, this one. Yeah, it feels like it's an episode just because they needed a six-episode uh, yeah, delivery. Yeah, this was filler. Mainly filler. This was the stuff that they... This was the B storylines that they were like, okay, well, we need some storylines. What have we got? What have we discounted from the good episodes? <laughs> yeah. I don't think they're bad B storylines, but they're just, uh, they throw a lot of shit at the wall and some of it sticks and some of it doesn't. Yeah, exactly that. Anything else that you want to talk about before we get into the episode or do you want to just dive right in and then we can talk after? Let's, let's, yeah, let's dive right in. Let's, let's go for okay. it. Okay. Yeah. So let's just dive right in then. Uh, 
we kick off in Jeremy's bedroom and we've got Jeremy and Joe and they are post-coital and just laying there being two men loving each other. Yes, uh, and Jez in a bit of a, a, th- a kind of callback to back in, is it series two, where he says he wants to crawl, wants Nancy to die and crawl inside her body. He thinks that he loves Gorgeous Joe and wants to crawl inside his lovely pink mouth. <laughs> um, Joe <laughs> says that he needs to go to work and Jeremy's like, oh yeah, yeah, work, of course, yeah, I've got to do that too. Busy, busy day. Storage wars, <laughs> walnut whip, wink it to a flannel. And then Joe asks him who's the most famous person he's ever life coached. Uh, yes, and he Jeremy's desperately trying to think of somebody famous and he his brain comes up with the Queen as the first person <laughs> he's life coached, um, which even he in his, his mind thinks is an interesting choice. Um the uh, so Joe is kind of surprised by this and says the queen and just says it was either her or jensen button but in the end he'd probably have to say she was the more famous <laughs> uh, i love joe is like kind of incredulous here like you've life coached the queen uh, and jeremy says that it wasn't just him because you know that'd be crazy if it had just been him a small cadre of life coaches were airlifted to highgrove and uh and he was one of them joe says oh well what was she was what was she like and jeremy said that says that she is outlandish, she's funny, she's saucy, and she's got the filthiest laugh, and he's like, kind of, <laughs> I love his little filthy laugh there. Yeah, it's like a smoker's laugh. He does like a little smoker's laugh. Um, Joe says at this point that he doesn't want to offend Jeremy, but he just assumed that the life coaching was like a part-time thing because he does it out of his bedroom. And Jeremy, in an attempt to seem like a real person says oh you know joe don't be silly i've got an office obviously i love how he just says obs like he's trying to be like a fucking millennial i've got a Um, i've got an office obs (laughs) obs um he joe then asks whereabouts and jeremy describes a location nearby um a block on the corner of Cowper Street. He's clearly hoping that Joe won't know where that is, but he, he does. And Jeremy says, yep, yeah, he's got an office there. You'll have to come and see me sometime. And then Joe says, yeah, yeah, definitely I'll do that. And Jeremy thinks to himself, great, another small insignificant line I'll have to maintain until the day I die. Mark still thinks I know <laughs> what the public sector is. Yeah. I love how this scene kind of sets what Jeremy's entire storyline is going to be this whole episode. Yeah, that's and the the lies that he's got to maintain. Like, it's quite clear that this relationship, even though they're on a more honest footing now because they're in the triangle of trust, uh, it's not it's not more honest, really, because Jeremy is just a, basically a pathological liar. Yeah, so this is uh, kind of what sets the scene for Jeremy's storyline for the rest of this episode. And we then move on to a tennis court where surprisingly we see Mark and Jeremy playing doubles with Angus and April. Does Mark seem like a tennis player to you? Because I know that we've seen him play badminton, but we have literally never seen him talk or play about tennis and he's taking tennis pretty no. goddamn seriously here. I mean, I guess he's a little bit posh and he went to a private school, we know that, so maybe he, yeah, maybe he did tennis there. But no, I agree with you that tennis is not, I don't know, where I come from anyway, this is not a sort of a tennis place like, and it's not something that I would, if someone said to me, someone that wasn't a very close friend said, hey, how about we play doubles with me and my husband and play tennis? I wouldn't say yes to that. So it's a bit <laughs> odd. Yeah. 
<laughs> At one point, Nicole and I had this uh, desire to go play tennis, play doubles tennis with each other, but uh, much like you said, it's really hard to find another couple to play tennis with. Yeah, I mean, maybe I'm part of the problem then that, that you and Nicole couldn't find anyone to play tennis with, but I just think there's other things we could be doing, not playing tennis. So, And I'm surprised that Mark managed to get Jeremy there, I have to say. I'm sure... Uh, I'm sure I probably, you know, bribed him or didn't tell him where they were going. and Yeah, just bundled him into the, the car. Um, Mark thinks that he wants to beat Angus, but fuck April. This is Freudian mixed doubles. Um, and then Jeremy, we sort of, it, the, the camera goes on to Jeremy, who is not in any kind of sports attire. He's just in his normal clothes. And he looks like he's been dragged there like a 15-year-old boy. And Mark asks him to hold the racket up and... Uh, Jeremy's just like, this is one thing after another. Yeah, I love this. He's just standing there. He's not even wearing, like, proper tennis attire. And he's just standing there with, like, his racket down. He's in jeans, isn't he? He's in jeans, which is not a very tennis uh, item of clothing. No, it had to have been very, like, uncomfortable to play tennis in that attire. Yeah. Um, Mark tells him to face forward, and Jeremy says, actually, I'm probably going to just go and... Mark tells him, you can't go, this is match point, and Jeremy starts giving him this, like, kind of reading him the riot act. He says, oh, are we going to win the match? What if we lose the match? The match, the match, the match. <laughs> and um, Mark just asks, can we just finish this game and do this afterward, please? And Jeremy relents and just says, fine. Yeah, and then he says, if it comes at him again, he's not hitting it. Um, <laughs> which would very much be my attitude, I think, in a game of tennis. Um, then Mark shouts, unlucky Angus, when Angus miss, uh, misses a shot, and he, but he thinks, uh, welcome to hell, old man. Yep. And uh, and then Jeremy just says, can I go now? Because I'm only here so you can fuck the historian, and I really don't see that happening. Um, we, um, we find out that since the end of threeism, because if you remember, at the end of threeism, things were not very good between Angus and April. And here... Just a week later, everything seems to be great between them. Yeah, they've made up and now he's everywhere, according to Mark. Um, I invited to the library, he offers to give us a lift, um, tennis, make it doubles. He says, just look at him over there, hogging his wife, the big brainy wife hogging <laughs> shit. And Jeremy utters the famous line, fuck tennis, it's basically bullshit ping pong for giants. <laughs> uh, I, I enjoy Mark's like desire to... Uh, which this scene also sets up, uh, does a good job of setting up Mark's plot for this episode, which is his desire to uh, destroy Angus, but fuck April. Yeah, I do think that, that, that nothing much is being said about how how duplicitous Mark is here. Like, Mark thinks of himself as being such a sort of morally upright person but in the course of the sort of four weeks of this series so far he's waterboarded his housemate in a sleeping bag <laughs> he's taken part in an attempted murder of a cab driver or someone that was giving him a lift and now he's he's trying to steal someone else's wife like actually he's not a great guy is he no he is he's a real fucking asshole in this season <laughs> yeah yeah he's a shitbag for sure yeah the only good thing that he ever did was uh be super hands's best man but then like you said that came with a attempted murder <laughs> yeah and he was trying and for most of that episode as well he was trying to steal 
Dobby back off of her new boyfriend. So really, he's just like adultering and fucking trying to murder people left, right and centre. Yeah. And he continues to go down that dark path of uh, dark mark this episode too. <laughs> yeah. And um, we then move on to the, still at the tennis court, but sometime later the game's ended and Mark and April are talking. Angus says he's going to bring the car around and uh, Mark thinks that this is his chance to steal her while he fetches the car. Yeah. And Mark just drops this line where he says, so April, you know, there's a talk on the British Academy on Friday Andrew Roberts doing a jam on World War One trench letters, love amongst the mustard gas, and he says that there's literally only, oh, excuse me, he thinks to himself, love amongst the mustard gas. He says there's literally only two tickets left, sadly, because he bought the last eight and burned the other six, which, why did, oh, I guess he had probably had to buy them out so that Angus couldn't get one. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, and then burn them so Angus would never find yeah. them. Um, and April says she'd love to, but it's kind of embarrassing, but she is going to get her moles mapped, which until I saw this episode, I didn't even know was a thing. I didn't either. Are you really jumpy about moles, or are you just like me and just don't give a fuck? Uh, so I'm, I'm very moly. Um, this, watching this episode inspired me to do a recount on my, just on my arms alone, uh, and I had to get my husband involved in this because some of them are where I can't see. I've got 117 moles on my arms alone, so I'm very moly. Holy moly. And I did have a mole. Holy moly, yeah. And I did have a mole on my neck that went precancerous when I was, like, 17. And my dad's had skin cancer, so I had to have that removed. So I'm aware of my moles, but I'm not I'm not April jumpy about my moles. Oh, that's funny, because there's a, a part in this episode that hits a little close to home for me. Because, like, I don't care about moles, but, like, when it comes to colonoscopies, like, that's where I'm paranoid. Oh, right. Okay. We'll, we'll talk about that when we get to the colonoscopy. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so um, April says, you know, I can be a little bit jumpy mole wise. Freckle on my kneecap. That wasn't there yesterday. Next thing I'm picking at it with a craft knife, trying to cauterize the wound with one of those creme brulee torches. And Mark just thinks to Which... himself, oh, April, you and your charming neuroses. <laughs> <laughs> Which is just horrifying. So I'm not adverse to a little bit of self-surgery or like surgery on like minor not not surgery but like i'll get stuck in if someone like if someone's got so like phil's had a few um boil like he gets boils on his on his neck and on his back and like i'm not squeamish i'll i'll help someone with a a, a situation like that and like dress it and I stuff i wish you could but see my face right st- now <laughs> I'm not going to start quarterizing things with a prebrulator, which you fucking mental cow. Um, this also made me think of the mole that I had on my neck that went precancerous. I had to have it removed and they had to quarterize it because it was big. It was like the size of like, I was going to say 2p. That won't mean anything to you, but like sizable. And um, and they, ha- they had to quarterize that. And I remember when they were doing it, it smelled like bacon cooking. And it was like, oh, that's not nice. Did you ever read Road Dahl's autobiography, Boy? Yes. The so the part where he was in the the school and they lanced the boil like traumatized me forever. Oh god, yeah, I've forgotten about that. That's yeah. So I have done that on Phil. I find it weirdly satisfying. I'm not quite a spawner, but I quite like like squeezing spots and stuff. <sighs> 
I think we've talked about this yes. before because wasn't there some sort of desk toy? Yeah, we yeah, did. We yeah. looked at the Amazon uh, fucking... <laughs> yeah. Uh, God damn it, whatever it was called. That still comes up on my suggested ad sometimes on Facebook, so that's... Uh... <laughs> <laughs> uh, Jesus. So, let's see. Uh, April says, you know, she's happy that Mark is down to go get his moles map because she says it's, it's, you know, not everybody is up for, you know, having their genitals photographed. And Mark says, no, no, he is he is bang up for that. And uh, April says, well, it'll be nice to have company. And Mark says, it's a date, a weird kind of creepy dermatological date. And then in his head, he thinks, they all count, April. They all count. Uh, we then cut to Jeremy's bedroom where he's doing some life coaching uh, with Megan. And as with um, things between April and Angus having changed since the last episode, things have gone very much downhill between Jeremy and Megan. She, uh, he asks her how she's feeling today, and she says she's feeling like a piece of shit. And when Jeremy asks why that is, it's, she says it's because you fucked my boyfriend, and then you stole my boyfriend. Yeah, I love this part. This part is really, really funny. Um, this, to me, was like the highlight of the episode until kind of towards the end where you just have Megan and she's just like, you hide behind this mask of, like, slacker bullshit. <laughs> like, the fact you've never done anything with your life is some sort of Gen X lifestyle when it's really just because you're a small, talentless worm and Jeremy is just trying to, you know like not cry yeah not cry <laughs> and she says you don't deserve joe because i've been with him and he fucks like a dinosaur you fuck like a little child like an eight-year-old that's just been told off for sucking his thumb <laughs> and jeremy tries to you know end this conversation but he really can't <laughs> no she says that uh when he says it times up she says it's not We've still got 48 minutes left unless you don't want me to pay you um i think that the actress does a really good job with like she just she embodies that like bitter anger that we've all felt at times and when she says uh you don't deserve joe because i've been with him and he fucks like a dinosaur that's a that's a great line like oh, oh it's a line that i've yet to be able to actually work into real conversation but i hope one day to be able to say i hope somebody fucks like a dinosaur <laughs> um <laughs> I, I like when Jeremy's like, well, that's all the time we've got for today. And she's like, no, no, we've still got 48 minutes. I'm going to make you cry, Jeremy. I'm going to make you cry delicious tears. And I'm going to collect those tears up in a little silver bowl. And I'm going to drink them up. And she holds her hand, like, up to her face and makes, like, a licking motion. Like, she's drinking out of a bowl. It's really goddamn funny. It's really funny. And she manages to make it look like sinister as well like she is gonna she is gonna fucking collect those tears and she is literally gonna drink them yeah it's great i love i love this little part it's super fucking funny uh jeremy attempts to go into his brain bunker and he thinks about how later on when she's gone he's gonna have a little cry a walnut whip and wank into a flannel <laughs> yeah uh i like i like how there's this like kind of repeated line for through this first couple parts about like winking into the flannel because we get a nice payoff for that here in this very next scene yeah do you have flannels over there is that something that they get used in, in the u.s i don't not for winking but i'm, I'm <laughs> but they are a thing you know what a flannel is yeah i'm not sure what they are i'm sorry oh it's like a what would you call it like, like a, a face towel like a, like a like a like a like smaller than a face towel like a square of 
cloth that you use it in place of a sponge to like wash yourself. Oh no, we just they're a bit they're a bit old school. Like they don't really, you know, we don't have one here. I've got a sponge and a one of those poof things that's made of net. Don't have a flannel, but. Yeah, they what you would have used in place of a sponge back in the day. I see. I just use um, a loofah, not for wanking, but just you know for cleaning myself. <laughs> just for washing. Yeah, um, I'm trying to think. Like, I know my nan's got a flannel. I think they like. I think they're like an old people thing. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Oh my god, this is this is fucking hilarious. Um, <laughs> no, I I actually didn't know what they were, and I had made a mental note to ask you because I. Like a washcloth, uh, dude. Is that a yeah, thing? Yeah, yeah. Okay, so like, yeah, it's a yeah. washcloth. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I yeah, figured yeah. it was something similar to that because when Mark talks about how he used it to clean his face, I was like, oh, okay, so it's like a washcloth. Yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. So we do have those. I am. I'm not stupid. I do know. You what know a washcloth what that is. is. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, we then, sorry, we then move on to uh, the next scene, which is in the kitchen in Apollo House, and Mark and Jeremy are talking. And Mark is animatedly talking about how he's got the slot immediately after April for the mole mapping. And he's very excited about it. Yeah. And he's, you know, talking about how, you know, this is going to be so romantic and nobody can prove otherwise. Or it's a date nobody can prove otherwise. And Jeremy just looks like a little, um, a little put off. Like he's not his, you know, usual genial self. Yeah, he's... He's sad. He's downhearted for some reason. And Mark is um, completely he, oblivious to it. Yeah, he's just so excited about the mole mapping that he's not even considering Jeremy's happiness or sadness or otherwise. Um, and Jeremy just says, can he ask him something? Um, he wants him to be honest with him. Is he a shit? <laughs> yeah. And Mark just <laughs> says, oh, absolutely you're a shit. And then he goes <laughs> to take a swig out of the milk jug and he's like, milk's gone. And... <laughs> Jeremy says, so I am, I'm a shit. And Mark says, yes, you are a shit, Jeremy. You're the shit on my shoe. And Jeremy is looking more and more sad. And he asks again, I'm a total shit. And Mark says, yes, a giant walking, talking, anthropomorphized shit on a stilts. A shit for all seasons. A shit man of Europe. What a total Um, shit. (laughs) Yeah, and Jeremy's just like, oh, so I am a shit. And Mark says he's enjoyed this conversation. It's really perked him up. Um, but, you know, like, essentially, what was the point of, like, why are you asking? And Jeremy just says, like, I need to get my act together. And Mark says he might have mentioned that once or twice in the last 12 years. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I love, I fucking love this little scene with Mark just giving, um, giving Jeremy, like, a total riot act. Yeah, um, and Jeremy says, you know, like he has to get his act together. He's just been floating through life. He's a waster, just been jazzing into the flannel. And Joe's this great guy with this cool job. And before he can continue with this sort of self-reflection, Mark stops him and he's like, you jazz into the flannels. And uh, and Jeremy says, like, don't be so parochial. I'm laying it out there. Um, and you're hung up about what bits of jeans go, whose jeans go in what bits of cloth. And, and Mark's like, which flannel? Uh, you need to tell me which flannel and Mark goes out and he goes to the bathroom and he brings back the flannels and he's like which of these do you jazz in I love this I love where Jeremy just says I don't know I can't be expected to remember where it all goes and uh, he just is like right which flannel have you jazzed on answer the fucking question and Jeremy points at one and Mark is like 
Jesus Christ, Jeremy, that is beyond the pale. And he just keeps yelling at Jeremy, you know, you're... Or, uh, excuse me, Jeremy just says, you know what, you're right, I've gone too far this time, Mark. Well, I'm turning my corner. I'm growing up, getting an actual office, and I'm going to stop just flinging my jizz around hither and yon. And Mark thinks to himself, how very reassuring. Now excuse me while I boil wash my face. <laughs> <laughs> I love the line, excuse me while I go boil wash my face. That's a great, that's a, completely sums up how I would feel if I found out I've been washing my face with the jizz planner. Yeah, no kidding. Me too. <laughs> me too. Um, we then move on to the street and in the evening and Jeremy and Hans are walking together um, and Jeremy's asking Hans where the gastro pub is. Yeah, and they're just kind of walking down the, the uh, walking down the street. This is a really short scene. It's like like thirty seconds. Um, Superhand says that they've got a fruity, and he call he calls it the ISA because it's basically his pension plan. And he goes there twice a week to bleed it like a radiator, and his hand cramps <laughs> up from hitting the ten pound repeater so many times. I love the idea of Hans uh, having his pension in a in a fruit machine like that's just that's so hands that's yeah um and then we see them shortly after in the gastro pub or the pub which is actually a disgusting looking pub that looks in no way gastro yeah it doesn't look gastro at all um no um this reminds me very much of you don't see these pubs so much now here um but it really reminds me of a pub on the corner of the street I lived at in my second year at university, which was called the Duke of Buckingham in Surbiton. And I, it, this inspired me to have a little look to see if it's still around, if it's still open. It is still open, but sadly it's gone chain, so it's not scuzzy anymore. So this kind of proves my point that you just don't get these scuzzy pubs anymore. Ever since they banned indoor smoking over here in um, Kansas City, like a lot of the real dive bars um, have kind of lost a lot of their appeal, which was... Yeah. Like, their sticky charm. Yeah, their sticky charm. Like, we have one called Buzzard's Beach here that was my favorite bar to go to. And once they banned indoor smoking, it was just kind of, like, not the same. Yeah, there's uh, definitely... I mean, it's great for all our health that um, they've stopped smoking inside, but it's taken away a bit of the atmosphere of the humble public house. Yeah. Yeah, that is true. Um, it was weird because I remember the first time I went into the buzzards beach after they banned smoking i was like just appalled at how stinky it was inside there and how dirty i was like yeah definitely i mean we all sort of moaned about the smell of smoke didn't we but actually it was covering up a whole multitude of sins yeah yeah it was uh jeremy points out that there's a man eating quavers out of an ashtray and then <laughs> super hands calls out oi, oi choir boy fancy seeing you here and we see this uh gentleman named wady for the first time yeah, Wadey looks like he should be playing one of the elves in Lord of the Rings. Like, if you put some pointy ears on Wadey, I think he'd, he'd fit in well in Middle-earth. That's the, the look he's going for. Um, and Hans introduced him to Jez as Wadey, a mate of mine from the Halfords days. Um, and they sort of say hello to each other, you know. And um, Super Hans is actually lucky that you're here tonight because uh, Mr. Wade has been off working in a centre parks, which... I, I can only imagine his euphemism for having been in prison. Is that how you took it? Is uh, Yes, yeah, that's what I took as well, is that he was... Uh, that or he was homeless, because I was literally thinking a Centre Parks was like a park. Oh no, Centre Parks is like a holiday 
it's like a chain of holiday villages like I don't know if you have anything like that over there but like they're they're a they're imported from the Netherlands so it's like log cabins in a forest and you go there for a holiday and it's got like a central swimming pool and stuff oh interesting yeah they're nice actually they're yeah they're I mean they're not very exciting but they're, they're very nice I've been to Fender Parks a lot in my life sounds um but I don't Go ahead, sorry. Yeah, they're, they're very nice, but I don't think that Wadey's really been working at one. Yeah, I'm strongly suspecting that he was in prison. <laughs> yeah. Um, and Superhands then says that Wadey's been made redundant from Centrefox, um, and he's been thinking that maybe Jeremy could have a chat with him, and Jeremy takes this to mean that uh, he needs some life coaching. He says, ah, is this about your self-esteem? I love this line because he says... I always think self-esteem is a lot like actual steam. You can't see it, but it definitely exists. <laughs> you can see steam as well, so that doesn't even work. That's, that's a bit of the hand-spun wisdom of Jeremy the life coach right yes, there. Yes, that's... Uh, I really think that uh, Robert Webb should have put a like a Jeremy life coaching book together where he just came up with like... <laughs> it could be like a short book where, you know, it's like... Uh, Jeremy's bullshit sayings followed by actual real <laughs> suggestions or something like that. That would be a great stocking filler. I would buy that as a stocking filler. There you go. We've given you an idea that creators of Peep Show for a Christmas book. Yeah, I'm going to tweet Robert Webb about it when we're done so <laughs> you guys don't steal my fucking idea. <laughs> um, Wadey then says that, uh, no, that's not what he wants to talk about. He wanted to ask if... Um, he could get hold of his mate Mark's swipe card to get him into the back of the bank. And Jeremy realizes at this point that he is in over his head and he's like, excuse me, uh, super hands. Let me just talk to you for just a second here. And hands and Jeremy step off to the side and they have a conversation about, uh, you know, is he a bank robber? And super hands is like kind of playing it off that no, he's not a bank robber. He's a burglar. And um, we also find out in this conversation that things between Superhands and Molly have gone a bit rancid. And Jeremy looks surprised because they've just got back from their honeymoon. Jeremy, or excuse yeah. me, Hand says that their marriage is one hot toxic mess. And <laughs> are you surprised that Hans's marriage is going to hell so quickly? And also, where do you think they went on their honeymoon? Oh, good question. Um, I'm not surprised, no, that their marriage has gone to hell so quickly because it's Superhands and also... Molly is a, she's a, she's a buzzkill that's been established and she's killing his buzz. Um, I don't know, old hands would have gone to Ibiza, wouldn't he, for, for a, a week of non-stop drug taking. But I reckon if he was trying to like be the hands Molly always wanted, maybe like rambling in the Lake District or maybe to Yorkshire to see the, uh, the Bronte Museum or something, something sedate. <laughs> Brookside Close. Where do you think? Yeah, Brookside Close. Where do you think they would have gone? Oh, I didn't expect you to turn this question around on me. <laughs> Germany with the twins? <laughs> yeah, maybe that could have been... Or, the, or maybe that was what turned it all so rancid, was that she didn't know about the twins, and he took this opportunity to, to introduce her to the twins. <laughs> Surprise, here's the twins. Oh, no, but they were at the wedding, weren't they? Maybe he said they were like his nephews, and then took them home and like surprise they're actually my sons or maybe he banged the twins mom on their honeymoon <laughs> i mean that does seem like something hands might do yeah um super hands is kind of you know trying to talk jeremy into it and he says you know 
ah, he just needs to borrow Mark's swipe card and Jeremy doesn't like it. It smells like crime. Han says that he, Jeremy's going to be well compensated, money up front, talking five figures. And Jeremy looks like pretty interested in five figures. And Han says, well, actually, there's a decimal place after the first three figures. <laughs> and so three figures, five figures total, three figures actual. <laughs> I got to tell you, until just now, that joke didn't make any sense to me because when he said decimal, I was thinking comma. So I was like, well, yeah, it's still five figures with a comma, but yeah, I get it. I get it now that I'm reading it. it... <laughs> yeah, it's it's less than a grand total. That's that's what we can take from this. Um, and he, uh, Superman says that Wadey's harmless, but Jeremy says that he can't do this because he's getting his shit together. And uh, Superman goes back to playing on the fruity and he's like, yeah, they all let you down eventually. Fruities, wives, mates, they all let you down. And then suddenly his fortune turns on the fruit machine. He's like, three golden eggs, and I'm up the beanstalk. And he's suddenly happy again. It's so simple in Superhands' world. I, I love this where he's just like, they all let you down eventually. Fruities, wives. And he looks right at Jeremy straight in the eye. Mates. <laughs> um, so next scene, we go to the skin clinic with Mark and April. And I was actually really surprised to find out that the skin clinic is actually the Avenue Veterinary Clinic. Oh, how odd. Yeah. It's in Ealing, London, on literally a yeah. street that looks like it's called The Avenue. Oh, okay. That's that's weird. Maybe they just needed anywhere that looked like a clinical setting and a vet's was the, the closest thing that they could, like, it was near to where they were filming or whatever. Yeah. And, uh... So they, uh, so it's Mark and April, and they're just talking about the results of their, um, their mole mapping. Yeah, um, and they start talking about the uh, their total number of of moles and warts and skin tags, and Mark wins. Um, but then, uh, once they've sort of talked about this, Mark sees this as an opportunity to start talking about Angus and how he seems in himself. Mark says, well, his service game seemed a little off, but I don't like to crow. And now we find out some backstory about Angus. And a few years back, he became totally obsessed with writing a book about the Byzantine church. But for the general reader, it had to be for the general reader. And he was very insistent about that. And Mark thinks this is very interesting. Does he detect a mental defect? And April continues saying, next thing I know, he's gone off to Turkey for five months, checked into himself into a hotel in Mamaris. He's cut these kind of tram lines into his hair and he's written the Nicene Creed all over his legs. Yeah, Mark says that that's, that's awful, but actually he's thinking, brilliant, like this guy's mental. Um, and he says, like, oh, maybe he's going back to that. And April says, yeah, maybe I am losing him again. Um, Mark thinks, all aboard the Coconut Express next stop, the Looney Town. Um, and he is clearly very pleased to hear that poor Angus might be going mental again. Yeah. And uh, he's, you know, he thinks to himself, I smell it, the, the sweet stench of weakness. Uh, and he kind of throws out, you know, maybe he is going back to that. And April says, I don't know, maybe I'm losing him again. And Mark thinks to himself, all aboard the Coconut Express. Next stop is Looney Town. <laughs> We then move on to Jeremy, who is uh, seems to be with some sort of estate agent looking at an office. Yeah, I love this little... This is like a quick little scene, but it's super fucking funny where uh, 
he walks into a office and he's like, this is it. This is the office. This is great. And uh, he sees that there's a socket in the floor and Jeremy's just like, oh my God, there's a socket in the floor. Unbelievable. And he looks at the realtor and he says, you know, do you monitor the things I look at at the, on the internet? And the agent says, no, no, I don't. And Jeremy says, great. I love this place. And the guy tells him, well, it's 400 pounds per calendar month. And Jeremy is just appalled by that. Yeah. Fuck my mouth. He says 400, 400 pounds. Um, and he knows that there's no way he's going to be able to afford that. I had to be honest though. That's like, seems fairly reasonable to me. Yeah, I thought that just sounded quite cheap. <laughs> I was like, oh, okay, well, that's that's not too bad. But I guess, you know, he's unwaged. Yeah. Well, I mean, he seems like he's like a pseudo-successful life coach. I mean, I don't know. <laughs> well, the, qu- the Queen's not paying anything these days, apparently. It's all because of that filthy laugh. <laughs> um, next scene, we have Mark and Angus walking down the street and... They are, uh, this is Mark's attempt to, uh, uh, drive Angus insane. And Mark is, you know, just talking him out and talking to him. And he says, oh, isn't this nice, a goodly stroll. And Mark thinks to himself, invite him out for a walk, lure him into a Greek Orthodox church, precipitate an insanity spiral. And our, my life is, excuse me, my plan has become quite Byzantine. And then Angus just kind of casually mentions that he heard that Mark went mole mapping with April. Uh, yeah, and Mark is a little bit cagey because he thinks that maybe he's going to get a wallop in here from, from Angus, but it turns out that Angus just thinks Mark is some sort of hypochondriac and asks him if he'd like to go for a colonoscopy. Which I find weird because, like I said earlier, I've had one of these, and having had one of these, these are just not co- the kind of thing you do on a whim. And you certainly aren't in like any position to go have a pint like right after your colonoscopy because you're all fucked up from <laughs> yeah. the anesthesia. Yeah, exactly. It's not. Um, and also, I don't think you can just. Well, obviously, you can because if you go privately, you can choose anything. But like, why would you just choose to like you say to go for a colonoscopy? Like, that's weird. Yeah, it's not the kind of thing I would do with a friend either because you're. No. You have the. Uh, have you ever had? Well, it doesn't matter, but. I, ha- I have had one, and they're not very dignified. No. So, I, like you say, I wouldn't want my friend there while it was happening. No, you have to do that fucking goddamn prep where you're just, like, shitting yeah, your guts out for horrible. a day straight. It's, yeah, it's like a two-day process of the prep, and then the horrible anesthetic, and then having it done, and then waking up all groggy. And, yeah, definitely, definitely not something you want to do with a mate. Yeah, you can't fucking eat anything for a day and a half, <laughs> and you're in the bathroom. No. Oh, it's horrible but my family has a history of polyps so both my sister and i had to get one got one when we were young and they're like oh and we found something so now i'm on a three-year colonoscopy cycle so that's fun it's fucking special that's horrible yeah i've got inflammatory bowel disease but they're not sure what type so i've been i had one quite recently i had one in like june or something and i had a I tell you what, though, they're not as bad as an endoscopy, which is where they put the camera down oh. your throat. That's oh. fucking awful. Oh. Have you had one of those? God, that sounds horrible. Yeah, they're so horrible. Like, I, I, the first time I had one, I did, had it without anaesthetic because I thought I had, like, I'd had a few colonoscopies and the last couple I had them without anaesthetic. So I was like, oh, I'll be fine. And I was, like, traumatized. It was really awful. Oh, God, my throat hurts just thinking about it. 
Yeah, it's really nasty, oh. and you end up with like a sore throat for about a week. Oh, sorry to anybody that we've just fucking horrified. <laughs> Yeah, sorry. I hope you weren't eating. Uh, uh, <laughs> uh, Angus says that he's just been putting this off for months, and he thought to himself, seems like Mark, it might be in Mark's wheelhouse. You know, just guys looking out for each other. And Mark is like, oh, yeah, yeah sounds great. Um, yeah. Angus says, we could go for a pint after, you know, get the cancery bit out of the way, and then pop in for a whistle for a, uh, pop into the whistle for a pint of IPA. And Mark thinks to himself, rectal exams with the love rival. <laughs> <laughs> um, Angus then says, thank you for, um, for you know, taking April to have her moles map. She needed that. She needs an outlet. And he says some night she's like, let's go crazy and take drugs. But that's not really his thing. And Mark sort of uh, laughs darkly in his head and thinks, yes, tell me your wife's secret desires. Yep. And then they walk past the church and... Mark says, uh, say, that's an interesting church. Is it Russian? And uh, Mark says, yes, a Russian Orthodox church. How fascinating. And Angus says, no, I believe it's Greek. And Mark offers a wager. Loser has to buy the beer. And uh, But Mark thinks to himself, oh, I'll buy you a beer, Angus, but it'll be the last plowman's you eat as a sane man. <laughs> it's not a beer, it's a plowman's, which is a... A, a lunch. Oh, I just assumed that a plowman was a kind of beer. See, what I know, I'm no, a no, stupid American. Pl- Plowman's <laughs> is like a like a salad, like it involves a bit of cheese and a pickled onion, and yeah, it's 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 a, it's a salad you get in a pub. Um, but he Mark's prepared to to take the bill for one because uh, he is going to fuck with Angus's head now. <laughs> um. Next scene, they're inside the church, and I found out that this is the Greek Orthodox Church of St. John the Baptist on Whiteman Road in Hornsey, London. Oh, it's very beautiful. I've never actually been in a Greek Orthodox or a Russian Orthodox church. Maybe so. we should do our final our uh, live finale episode from the <laughs> Greek Orthodox Church of St. John the Baptist. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure that they completely would be up for that and not at all think it was like massively disrespectful. <laughs> <laughs> we could sell we could sell tickets to sit in the pews <laughs> and during the recording you have to kneel <laughs> they definitely go for that what, it? what could possibly be seen as disrespectful about that we would sell fives of tickets like they could you know uh yeah they could retire on the profit yeah they could do a, they could renovate a pew with that money <laughs> <laughs> Uh, um, Mark then starts talking to he's sort of talking about the history of the Byzantine church and and the stuff he doesn't know about it and he thinks that he's uh, he's, he's not being horrible now he's, he's just encouraging Angus in the dream that's going to turn his mind into mints and, um, and uh, Angus says that there isn't you know there isn't really a book he can read for it um, and Mark's like that's shocking like I'd love to I'd love to read a book for the general reader. Like, are you sure you can't recommend something for me? And Angus says that he he can't, no. No, unless you count John Julius Norwich's so-called history of Byzantine, and I don't. Uh, you've also got Simon Baker on Rome and Karen Armstrong on the Western Christian tradition, but nothing on the Byzantine... Ch- oh, uh, excuse me, Mark is saying that. But yeah, Mark just says he can't believe that there isn't anything he can read. Uh, Mark thinks to himself, this isn't horrible, I'm just encouraging, follow your dream, Angus, all the way into the big mind mincer. And Angus has kind of been talking, and he says, you know, well, we have Martin of Opava's Chronicum Pontificum, 
et imperatorum. And frankly, it's a pamphlet. It's so limited in scope, it's almost worthless. And Mark finds himself starting to get kind of sucked in. God, this is really interesting. No, don't get sucked in. Otherwise, it's going to be me and Angus sleeping in Turkish hostels, reading scripture, and getting rectal exams. (laughs) We then move to Apollo House, and Mark and Jeremy are... In the in the flat, and Mark is sitting with a cup of tea and a twirl, and he's got a folder where he's gonna have a little look at all his moles, and he opens it, and the first photograph is of of his ass. Do you think that's really David Mitchell's ass, or do you think that's just some stock ass photo they got from the internet? I hope it's some sort of stock ass photo. I don't like the idea of of poor David Mitchell having to have his ass photographed, or, or even worse than that some lowly runner straight out of university with a media studies degree having to get their ass photographed. I'm going to tweet David Mitchell and ask. I'm sure he's going to respond <laughs> because they've been so good about responding to all of our other tweets. <laughs> Mark thinks that this is the dark side of the moon. And at this moment, Jeremy comes in holding a letter saying that he got a letter. He got your letter. I've got your letter, Mark. And Mark says, that's not from me. That's from the bank. Next thing I know, I'm going to see... You have been blocked by David Mitchell. (laughs) (laughs) So yes, Jeremy is not happy about this letter that he got from the bank talking about his monthly repayments. And Mark says, oh, it's just a standard loan statement. And Jeremy looks really appalled. And he says, do you have any idea of the monthly repayments on that fucking thing? And Mark just looks at him and says, yes, Jeremy. Yes, I do. And Jeremy is irate because that's it. All his hopes and dreams, everything he's worked hard for the last 39 years are just flushed down the toilet since he got this stupid loan. Yeah, um, and Mark says, you've literally wanted this office since yesterday. And Jeremy says that you should never have sold me that loan, Mark. It was exploitation. And he says, well, guess what? I've got one word for you, ombudsman. And uh, this is very funny. He he says that uh, he's going to go to the ombudsman. And he says to Mark, so if there's a bang at the door and you answer it and there's a man in a stovepipe hat with a long hooky stick, that's him, the ombudsman. And Mark is just completely dismissive and he's like, oh, he's not a person, Jerry. It's a toothless regulatory body of civil servants. And uh, and Jeremy is completely not phased by the fact that he's not a real person. And he just says, keep one eye open, Mark. The ombudsman's coming to get you in like a creepy voice. I really, what I really want somebody to do is to cut some sort of like horror movie trailer for this, <laughs> and then just the ombudsman. Yeah, the ombudsman, and you could just cut it with like uh, flashes from like some other horror movie, and you could just you could just say like, so if there's a bang at the door, bang, and you answer it, and there's a man in a stovepipe hat with a long hooky stick. That's him. And you could have like a picture of like Jason from Friday the 13th. And you could just say, the ombudsman. <laughs> <laughs> I am. Um, so a couple of weeks ago, I had some problems at the bank when a check that was written out to me got paid into my daughter's account in error and they cashed it. And it was like, it was one of those like shitty bank things that are a nightmare to, to sort out and you end up having to talk to different departments and you get shoved from pillar to post. And I ended up standing in the bank while they went and got like the fifth manager I'd spoken to Googling like what I should say in this instance. And it was like, tell them like threaten them with the ombudsman. So I was like, I I think I've got a good case to take to the financial ombudsman with this. Like this is ridiculous. And 
it was it took every bit of willpower I had not to sing the ombudsman's coming to get to you <laughs> but, but I figured that was going to get me chucked out of the bank so <laughs> um, so next scene we have um, we have Mark and April at Apollo House and uh, Mark is telling April you know Angus would have been more than welcome um, to come by and April says well he didn't fancy it and she has caught him reading the Nicene Creed on the toilet, and Mark is like, oh my gosh, I'm so sorry, April. But April kind of is like, oh, you know, he said you guys went to a Byzantine church, and Mark points out that he didn't want to dob him in, but we went for a stroll, and he couldn't help himself. Uh, I mean, we went for a plowman's after, but the mood was pretty somber, and Mark says that he ate his pickled onion, you know, April, at times like this, it's I just want to throw my hands up and say, let's take drugs and go crazy. <laughs> yeah, and um, and then we cut to the, a tiny bit later on where uh, they've found some drugs and Mark is lining the, the coke <laughs> out on the table. I love this scene. Uh I love this scene. This scene really, really fucking cracks me up. Uh, yeah. It is, I love this this little bit. It really makes me laugh every time because this is like... I Obviously, I've never done cocaine before. Um, but I imagine if I had done cocaine that this is a lot what it would be like. <laughs> yeah. Um, and April says so she's not done this since university. Um, is she is she doing it right? She's sort of like chopping it up, and uh, Mark says it's great. Some lovely fat lines of Chang, and I love how he says Chang like he's just got no idea of drug slang. It's really cringy. Um, I just I love this where he's like, oh, that's good, <laughs> that's good shit. It's real top quality. Taste the difference. <laughs> Let the great British snort off begin, and he just thinks, I have the tiger. Fuck you, everyone. Fuck you, dad, and. He just finishes doing the line, and he just looks up, and he's like, Mmm, delicious. As always, mine compliments to the chef. <laughs> um, and then he's thinking that it's gone right at the back of his nose and into his throat. It doesn't taste very nice. What if it's off? What if my head swells up like a melon and I never sleep again? Um, and he says out loud that he feels completely normal, but also like he a bit wants to karate chop his hand through a very high stack of poppadoms. Um, and uh, April says you could hold up a kimono and like punch my fist through it, kung fu. And he's he sort of starts laughing and he's like in his head he thinks I've never been this intensely funny. Have you ever like hung out with people that are have done cocaine? Yeah, cocaine. Co yeah, cocaine people are insufferable, yeah. like because they just think they're so funny and they're not at all. This is exactly what people on cocaine are like. Like this is so. Like, if you told me that they were actually doing lines of coke and were really fucked up on cocaine for this scene, I would totally believe you, because this is, yeah. like, very much uh, what people on cocaine are like. <laughs> yeah, when I had my New Year's in the, the New Year's party that went wrong, where I ended up locked in the bathroom, everyone was on coke that night, apart from me and the guy who ended up locked in the bathroom, and this was pretty much what happened and then it got violent like then then there was a fight and then i ended up locked in a bathroom but it's just people who are not funny sitting around telling each other they're really funny that's a real downer when you're on cocaine too <laughs> <laughs> yeah 
Rodana. <laughs> um, uh, Mark says that he feels uh, like he doesn't want another line. The last thing he wants is another line, but he's just going to go ahead and do another line. And he just thinks to himself, well, that's it. I'm an addict. And so I do have one cocaine-related story that I, I feel totally okay saying is uh, about, I don't know, it was like probably about 10 years ago, I was going through this phase where I just really wanted to try it. And I was just like, man, I just really want to do coke. But like when you don't know a coke dealer, and coke is not like a casual drug. Like people just don't do cocaine casually, you know. No. And uh, so I just mentioned this to a friend in passing. I was like, oh, you know, I've always wanted to, you know, try cocaine, but I have a really addictive personality and, you know, I'm scared about becoming an addict and all this stuff. And so he's like, hold on a second. And he comes back out with a bag of cocaine and he's like, let's do it. (laughs) And I was like, I was like, what the fuck, man? Like, what the fuck? And he goes... I'm like, no, I, I can't do it. I, I'll become an addict. And he's like, well, do you know anybody that sells cocaine? And I said, no. And he goes, well, then how are you going to become an addict to it? <laughs> That's a good point. You can't, you can't fight logic like that. I know. I know. I, I, was um, like, I really enjoy it. I was like, I was like wow, that is some goddamn good logic. <laughs> I did not do cocaine that night, but... <laughs> but, you know, it's probably just as well as you didn't know anyone that sold it. So... I um I really enjoy that the reason that they give for having the coke is because it was left over from Superhands' stack and it's presumably the bag of coke that uh, Jeremy plants on Jerry <laughs> in episode back in episode one. But surely, I mean, we know Jeremy's got no self control. Like he would have taken that. Yeah, no, I agree with you wholeheartedly. I don't think it would just be hanging around the flat. Yeah. <laughs> oh my god. Uh, this is. This is so fucking funny. I I really love this scene. Uh, Mark says they, you know, um, <laughs> he thinks like God, my teeth are dry, um, <laughs> and he says if he said it once and he said it a thousand times, and uh, Mark thinks to himself, well, this is the first time I've ever said it, and he says you've got to live in your moment. You've got to live in the moment because right now I feel like staying up all night or running to Thornton Heath or just throwing my iPad out the window and April challenges him to throw the iPad out his window and Mark's just like, well, fuck it, here we go. And he walks over to the window, he throws his iPad out and he says to himself, regretting spontaneity before completing act of spontaneity. (laughs) Fuck you, iPad. Um, (laughs) um, April also mentions that she's found a cruise that she wants to go on three months in the Mediterranean. She thinks that is going to be what her and Angus need to patch stuff up. Um, but it's unclear whether it's actually going to happen. And um, She's laughing at uh, Mark, throwing the iPad out of the window. Says he's like the Incredible Hulk. And he says he's the Incredible Mark, Mark Smash. And she just can't stop laughing because she's on coke. And they both are laughing. He's thinking about how funny he is. And then suddenly she kisses it or he uh, it's not quite clear who kisses. they kiss it, it's probably not instigated by one or the other yeah and uh mark thinks to himself i've kissed her i've kissed her on oh sorry april says oh, i should get going and thanks mark for the amazing evening and mark thinks to himself i've kissed her i've kissed her on coke if we take smack maybe she'll get divorced and marry me <laughs> <laughs> We then move on to a scene with uh, in a cafe with 
Jeremy and Superhands, and Jeremy has got the goods. He has taken the jump and stolen Mike's swipe card, uh, Mark's swipe card. Yes, the name of this cafe is Ginger and Mint Cafe. It is on 11 Park Road, Crouch End, London, in the United Kingdom, obviously. Is it still open? What's up? Is it still open? Yes, it is. Mm, it looks quite nice, actually. Yeah. it. Uh, all the pictures on there, it looks very shishi and posh. Mm, yeah, we'd, we'd go there. Um, so... Um, he Jeremy goes to give Superhands the swap card, but he says it's on one condition. He says if Wadey is a bank robber, then we've got to say no shooting of Mark. It is an absolute red line, and he thinks to himself about what a good friend he is of Mark's. Hands just says, "Well, you know, let's just say that Mister or young Mister Wade's attempts not to rob Mark's bank have taken a surprisingly unexpected turn. He's basically doing it right now, and." Jeremy looks super concerned at this point, and uh, uh, Jeremy's like, you know, he's doing it right now? Like, hang on, he's actually not going to do it right now, though, is he? And Superhand says, you know, it's kind of hard to tell with Wadey, don't get me wrong, he's a teddy bear, but he's a violent teddy bear. <laughs> Jeremy says, you said he was harmless, and... Superhand says, well, he's more than one thing, Jeremy. He's harmless, he's deadly. He's a devil, he's a saint. He's happy, he's furious. And Jeremy just says, well, so he's basically got personality disorder. <laughs> yeah, um, and I really enjoy the way that Superhand's like, he's he's bored with this conversation before it's even started. Like, Wadey is clearly a psychopath, and he's like, yeah, well, he's not just one thing. Like, like Jeremy's really unreasonable for saying he shouldn't shoot Mark and he shouldn't be doing it right now. Um, and uh, Jeremy says, right, you need to text him right now and tell him not to shoot Mark. And then he gets up and says, he's got to go and warn him. And Jeremy's thinking to himself, God, what if he's already shot him? What if he's wounded him? Imagine Mark in a wheelchair. He'd be absolutely. Insufferable. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, I love that. Jeremy's first concern is not, necessarily that like mark's safety it's just that he doesn't want to like take care of a wheelchair bound mark <laughs> yeah um we then cut to inside the bank where mark is thinking about how he needs to find something else to throw out of his window before it produces interest out of uh, out of him and he thinks that he could throw his george foreman off the balcony um then jerry like purposefully bangs into him and he's like oh brilliant it's grudge time with jerry <laughs> When is he ever going to forgive me for bundling him into a sleeping bag and throwing him in a lift? And then he looks up and sees that Angus has walked into the bank. Yep, and Angus says, uh, uh, you know, uh, he found a place that does an air contrast barium enema. And he was, uh, you know, wanted to invite Mark there. And he says they pump air into the rectum. You get an incredibly clear silhouette of the whole downstairs area. And, Mark thinks to himself, oh, that sounds perfect, inflating my colon like a weather balloon. But Angus is not there just to talk about getting a, another colonoscopy. He needs a loan. Yeah, he needs £5,000 because he thinks he's losing April and he wants to take it on a cruise. He thinks if they go away together, it might fix everything. And Mark says, yeah, sure, it might. Uh, let me just enter your details into the system. And he just we, we cut to his screen and he's just like... <laughs> typing absolute nonsense in wingdings and he's like oh angus your credit rating is sub grecian and 
and he says he's really sorry, but he's not going to be able to get the loan for him. Angus is like, what? No, I've got mortgage statements. And uh, Mark thinks to himself, oh, three-way spite fest. No commission for me, no cruise for April, no marriage for Angus. And it tastes great. And it tastes um, great. <laughs> just then, Jeremy appears around the corner and says that he needs, like, five quite intense minutes of his time. <laughs> and he uh, he says, hi, Angus. And, like, he sort of rushes Mark away and he's like, just for your information... There's a very slim possibility that a bank robber is heading into the bank right now. So act normal, but also be on permanent highlight. And Jeremy's like, what, what are you talking about? And he's like, it's some mate of super handsy, it's some pub man. Um, and Mark's already panicking at this. He's like, I'm getting robbed. And, it, and Jeremy says he definitely isn't getting robbed. It's fine because I said no shooting of Mark. It's a red line. And Mark, even in the, his panic, can't resist the urge to be sarcastic and is like oh yeah because no one ever goes over a red line tuition fees were a fucking red line yeah and um he you know jeremy continues and says that it was a you know this is a victimless crime um you know it's a bank they're insured and mark says no it's a victim me crime and the victim is me i'm going to get shot <laughs> and jeremy says how many times mark you're not getting and then a woman kind of walks into the little area that they're in, and Jeremy lowers his voice, and he's like, you're not getting shot. Why does it always have to be about you? And Mark says, I'm sorry, Jeremy. I'm sorry for being all self-pitying about my potential shooting. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, he's just some... Uh, sorry, he says then that he... Um, Jeremy says, you do work in a bank, though. And Mark's like, what's that supposed to mean? And he's like, you're due one. And he's like, oh, I'm due one. I'm due a good shooting. It's my turn for the big shiny bullet. And he sees Wady in the queue, and he's like, that's him. And he tries to press the panic button, but he's so panicked, he can't even find the panic button. Yeah, he's, like, reaching all around the desk, and he's like, where's this panic button? Like, why is this thing so bloody hard to find? Do you think there's actually a panic button under the desk, though? Yeah, I bet there is, yeah. Okay. I just thought that. Do you just, not think so? No, I I just was thinking that Mark was making this up in his head, and he was panicking, and it just seemed logical that there would be a <laughs> there panic wasn't button. anything there. Yeah, no, I'm sure. I'm sure they've all got panic buttons in banks. I'm, I mean, because they must. Yeah, I'm sure in, you're probably getting right. getting robbed has got to be a quite high possibility. Um, so he's then Mark says he's he's then confused. He's like, why is he queuing? Because robbers don't queue. And Jeremy just says that we need to leave. And Mark says, what if he shoots everyone? And, and Jeremy's like, he won't. And if he does, what are we going to do? Like, we can't stop him. He's a maniac. He's an armed maniac. Um, and so they they hustle out of the bank and into a coffee shop. Yep. And next thing we go, we're in the coffee shop, and Jeremy is ordering a macchiato and a blueberry muffin. <laughs> And Mark just chides him for ordering a muffin in while waiting for a massacre. And Jeremy says, well, what difference does it make? And Mark just thinks that's unbelievable. And then he orders an extra white hot and uh, a flat white extra hot and a biscotti. <laughs> um, and he, Mark says that this is all on Jeremy now. Like, he's going to be held fully accountable. And Jeremy says, you know what, soz and... Mark says Soz is not an appropriate level of apology for facilitating an armed fucking robbery. And just then, uh, Jez's phone rings and it is Joe. Joe says that he's at the offices on Cowper Street, but they don't seem to know who you are. And Jeremy says, oh, I'm sorry, I can't really hear you. And he's at Highgrove and uh, he says there's a very distinguished older gentleman who'd really like to have a word with you. And 
he starts kind of mouthing to Mark, like, do a Prince Philip, do a Prince Philip, and I'll go tackle the robber. And he hands the phone to Mark, and right as Mark's about to do the Prince Philip, which I was super excited for, he says no, and hands the phone back <laughs> yeah, to Jeremy. Yeah, I'm not doing it. Yeah, um, and Joe says that, you know, you're not really at high growth, are you, Jeremy? And Jeremy says he's not, and you think he's going to tell the truth, and then he says he's actually at Balmoral, and then Joe hangs up on him. Jeremy is very concerned at this point because he feels like, well, Joe's starting to see through his bullshit, and... Mark is, you know, uh, like, concerned, but not concerned, because he just doesn't really care about Jeremy's domestic horse shit right now when there's a potential for, you know, a massacre going down. And out of nowhere, Alan is just in the same coffee shop, and he tells Mark to get the fuck back to work. Yeah, and he's like, what about my coffee? And Jeremy says he'll, he'll bring it with him, exit, and just, like, pushes Mark out, basically. And... Mark says to Jeremy, are you coming? And Jeremy's like, sorry, I'm not. <laughs> and he's like, and Mark just is fine. I'll go on my own way then, on my own merry way. Um, and he walks back into the bank, but he's confused because no one seems dead. And he looks over to the queue just in time to see Wadey completely bottle it. And he just picks up a load of the free pens you get by the side of the cashiers. And he's like, oh, he's just a big beardy pen thief. <laughs> yeah, I love this where he just... Uh... He just snatches the pens, and yeah, he's on his way out. Uh, as Mark walks over, he sees Angus sitting there with Jerry, and Angus says, oh, Mark, you know, your your mate's got it all sorted out. We're going cruising. And Mark has a fake smile on his face and says, brilliant, Angus. And he thinks to himself, commission for Jerry, cruise for April, marriage for Inglis, or marriage for Angus. Get the pub man back. I want my shooting. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, a funny episode, I would say. And like like we said at the beginning, quite bitty, but there are some big laughs there. Yeah. Uh, it's not my favorite Series 9 episode, but... I, no, or mine, by this would a probably, long stretch, but... If you had me rank just the Series 9 episodes on their own, I think that this one would be maybe 5 out of 6. Yeah, 4 or 5, I reckon. It's it's in the, the bottom few. Yeah. Um. What number do you reckon I put it at overall? Uh, hold on, give me just a second here while I find your non-updated list that I'm trying to remember what we ones we've already filled out. Uh, Jesus, there it is. Uh, let's see. Um, have we done thirty-four? Yes, I think we have. Yeah, yeah, we have. Okay, what about? Well, I guess I can't just keep asking you which ones we've done, because uh, I'm going to go with 25. No, I've put this at 38, 30. so it's quite low down. It's it's fine. It's not terrible. It's not fabulous. Yeah, that's. I think 38 is good, where it's like, it's not quite in the bottom, that bottom, like, chunk of episodes, but, you know, is also in the lower middle, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. Well, that was that. And next week we've got Kid... Uh, what is it? Kid Farm. Kid Farm. The penultimate, pe penultimate episode. I know. The penultimate episode of the El Dude Brothers podcast. It's crazy. Yeah, it's nuts. Have you been watching or doing anything else um, this week? Nicole and I have been watching the Great British 
Bake Off. Oh, the current series. Yes. Have you watched this? Yes. Yeah, we have. It's only been two episodes so far, hasn't it? Oh, we're watching the one that's on Netflix, so I'm assuming that maybe was last year's? Oh, it could have been, yeah. I'm, I'm not sure where, where they are on Netflix because I've not, because I've watched it live. But yeah, that, they have put some on Netflix recently, haven't they? Let's have a look and see what ones are on is it just one series on Netflix? Yeah, it's got, like, Ian and Norman and a little young girl who's, like, 17 named Martha. Oh, yeah, I think yeah, I think that was last year. It looks like... Is it hosted by... Is it is it Nolan, Prue, and that lot, rather than the old lot? Oh, no, they've got quite a few seasons on here. They've got one to seven. Oh, shit, what... Oh, it's all, these are all with Mary Berry, so these are, like, older. Okay, we, Nicole and I are watching series five. Wow, I didn't realize we were, like, Ah, okay. wow, welcome to four years in the past. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, shit, I don't want to know who wins. Oh, God, I almost spoiled it for myself. (laughs) Don't look. No, because they changed that, apart from Paul Hollywood, everyone else changed last year, so, because it went from BBC Two to Channel Four. So, my number one question is, why the fuck are they baking in a tent? I don't know why they're in a tent. I don't. I'm not much of a baker, so I don't. I sort of watch it for the spectacle rather than because I like baking, especially. Oh, okay. I don't know why it's in a tent. Yeah, they could. I mean, MasterChef has a lot of people, and and they manage to do it in a building. So I don't understand why it's in a tent. Yeah, because it's uh, caused some interesting things <laughs> where the ice cream is like melting because it's yeah. fucking hot outside and. Yeah. Cakes aren't do you, how do you feel about um Paul Hollywood? Oh, I mean, he seems so he seems okay. I kind of find him a bit creepy. I always think he's like, I don't know, he just I think he's just got a creepy edge. I think it's the older woman that creeps me out. Mary Berry. No, Mary Berry's the legend. Oh, well, I'm sorry. She's four, she's four she's 400 years old, but she's I mean, I don't really understand the point of Mary Berry either, but people love her. I'm I apologize for insulting a legend. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she's a British legend. <laughs> no, um, so the current series has just started over here, and it's on 4AD, so if you, you want to get with the, like, real-time bake-off, ah. it's there. Well, maybe yeah. I'll, uh, maybe Nicole and I will get caught up on the current season. I'll use my, uh, my, uh, my, uh, my login. Yeah, and it's been, so the hosts have changed, so it's not Mel and Sue anymore, it's, there's, um, it's Sandy Toxic and Noel Fielded who are who are very funny, and I actually prefer to Mel and Sue. Oh, see, I like Mel and Sue. Yeah, Phil likes Mel and Sue. He was on Team Mel and Sue. <laughs> I'm on Team. I'm on Team No and Sandy. Yeah. Um. Let's see. Oh my God, I had something else I wanted to talk about, and I cannot can remember. Ugh. Books? No. Podcast? No. Big Brother's been kind of got off to a good start, and then it's been kind of eh. Um, what oh, is it on about the third month of your big brother now? Yeah, we're in the final. I think we've got three weeks left, two weeks left. Right. Yeah, don't remember. Um, damn, I almost got sprayed by a skunk in Chicago. That was fun. <laughs> wow, that's I mean, I've never seen a real life skunk. I have. How a, big are they? This one was a baby, so right. it was maybe about the size of a chipmunk or right. like a squirrel that doesn't help a squirrel okay yeah yeah and uh i was i after the wrestling show i'd gone to a bar to go have a beer with some people who were also at the show 
And um, I was walking back to the hotel and this little skunk popped out and I was like, don't you fucking spray me, you son of a bitch. So, <laughs> Why do they spray? Is it if they feel like worried? Or... Yeah, it's a defense mechanism. Right, okay, yeah, and I mean, I've never older seen skunks, a skunk or... Older skunks are less prone to spraying because they know that, like, just putting up their tail is usually enough to scare a predator off. But, right. like, the young skunks, they don't know what the fuck they're doing, so they just kind of spray willy-nilly, so... Right, okay, yeah. Mm. I, I, they're not things that I don't even know, like... I can't think of somewhere I've ever been apart from the US where they might be. I don't think we have them in Europe. I have never seen a skunk live before and it was the like most intense like 45 seconds of my entire life. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, the thing is, is like I'm used to really tame wildlife. Like there is no, there's no unusual wildlife in London. So I've never even seen a real life snake. I'm, um, I, d I don't know how I'd react if I saw something as niche as a skunk. It was, uh, I, it was the last animal I was expecting to see in, like, suburban Chicago. <laughs> <laughs> Odd. Yeah. Uh, um, I wanted to mention, I saw the movie, a couple of weeks ago now, but I saw the movie Festival, which um, is, it was from the, the writers of the Inbetweeners, um, and it's, it was really funny. It's well worth it a watch. It's it's a bit silly, and it's not going to bother the academy. Like there's no way it's it's not it's not it's not particularly groundbreaking or you know intellectual or but it's very funny and um it's got a star turn from uh Jermaine from Flight the Concords and Noel Fielding, funnily enough, uh, who I was just talking about, and it's really good. Ah, oh, sounds good. What's it about? Uh, it is about a couple of friends who uh, just graduated from university and they go to a music festival to uh, get over one of the friends being dumped and hilarity ensues. Oh, interesting. Yeah, um, it was really good. And I'm going to see the Griefcast live next Saturday. So I will get back to you about what that's like, but I'm very excited to oh, see yeah. um, Carrie Adloyd in the flesh and to, to see, see it be recorded. So I'm looking forward to that. And I'm very excited to mention this too. Happy birthday. Thank you. Yes, I am going to be 33 tomorrow, which is a bit depressing. But <laughs> I, uh, yeah, I've got, it's, it's crap. It's on a Monday. Like, what, what, what am I going to do with myself on a Monday? But I went out last night and uh, tomorrow I get to take my daughter to school and probably do some washing. So I'm looking forward to that. But at least I'm not at work, I suppose. Yeah, sounds like a great... Uh... Sounds like a great birthday. We're going to have a Chinese in the evening, so, you know, it's, I'll get some sort of birthday fun. Yeah. All right. Well, um... Have you got work today? Are you off to work? Uh, I had to... I have to work today because I took Wednesday off. I shift traded with somebody I work with on Wednesday so that I could go for my baby's ultrasound. And... Oh, uh, yes, of course. You had your 20-week yeah. anomaly scan. Yeah. We found out the sex of the baby and i will tell you what if you want to know stay tuned after the credits and i will tell you i'll just be like it's a whatever and if you want to be surprised <laughs> it's a baby it's, it's a baby two arms and two legs yeah, yeah. if you want to be surprised you... you can listen post credits <laughs> 
if you um were you were, was it like emotional because i never found out with either of my daughters so was it emotional finding out stay tuned after the credits and i'll t- we'll talk about this okay okay all right okay um but yes it was very emotional i was very like i was very choked up and it was tight emotion although the annoying thing was this fucking ultrasound was like legitimately about 45 minutes to an hour long yeah the 20 week one is long because they're you know looking at the brain the heart they're measuring the spine the arms the legs are looking at everything and i'm like just tell me what's between the legs like come (laughs) fucking on here you know they're like oh here's the umbilical cord and everything looks good there the arms look good rib cage coming right along and i'm like i don't care i mean i do care but i don't right now like just tell yeah me. like just tell me tell me the main thing i want to know and yeah. then we'll talk about all the other yeah, stuff yeah, afterwards. yeah yeah answer the big question here and then we can circle back to this <laughs> yeah <laughs> so it, it's really exciting and like i highly encourage people that haven't had a child to like do it because it's fucking cool as shit so. <laughs> yeah it is it's, it is cool it's uh you might not be saying that after you've witnessed the birth. I'm going to put that out there. But it is the, all that other stuff about having a baby, apart from the whole horrible, traumatic labor thing, it is cool. Yeah, so I'm pretty excited. So, um, but yeah, stay tuned. Stay tuned afterwards, and I will tell you the sex and name of the baby. Yeah, cool. All right. Anything else, Laura? Uh, no, no, that's it from me. All right. Well, we will be back next week with episode 62 kip farm the penultimate episode of the l dude brothers podcast and goodbye Bye. i am in loco parentis i am the last remaining contestant of the apprentice i am the home trained dentist It's a boy! Hey! And what are you going to call it? Edward Nicholas Robbins. Oh, I think that's a great name. Yeah, yeah, I think so too. And it's very organised that you've got the name sorted so, 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 you're like close to, not so, so far away from it being born. I think it's good if you can uh, be organised like that. Well, you know, when it takes like two years for it to actually happen, you start to talk about stuff. We didn't have names. To, we, we had names, we had lists, but we didn't have names till like in actually in the delivery room that was like it was still up in the air so it's good to have a plan yeah i mean like i said uh because it because we spent so much time and it took so long (laughs) to get there uh we had we'd had names pretty much established so yeah yeah what would it have been if it was a girl uh bonnie ellen oh both actually nice names like i said to you when uh when we were messaging about it i was a bit worried you were gonna go the full american and i'd have to be like oh that's a nice name, thinking, why are you calling this kid Wyatt? Why Why are you naming him Donald Trump Robbins? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, cool. Laura, I will talk to you later, and I'm sorry Yeah, that I'll it's... put this in the folder, okay? Uh, um, excuse me, I'm yes. sorry it's taken us so long to get to this point. Oh, that's point. okay. I mean, it was partially my fault, so don't worry. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Cool. All right, then. Speak to you later. Ciao. Ciao. Bye. 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 Bye.